Uh, I want to thank you all for coming out to hear the word this morning. I know that there are a lot of things that you can be doing this morning, but instead you came out and you chose to hear the word of God. You know, um, it's so good when we study the word of God because when we study the word of God, we gain so much information and so much knowledge about the word of God and about God and about the gospel. All right. And the more we study the Bible. All right. The closer we get to God and the more of a love that we have for God. All right. Not only that, but the more we grow in our faith. OK. You know, that's like, for instance, um, me, I'm, I'm a person who who enjoys history. I love all kind of history. All right. So the more I study history, the more I learn about history, the more I watch history. All right. The more knowledge that I gain about history. All right. And the more of a love that I develop for that subject. All right. And the more of a passion that I that I an appreciation that I have for that subject history. It's the same situation with God. And when we read the word, when we read the word, we get closer to God and it brings us closer to God. And it helps us develop our love for God, for God and our faith for God. OK. And. We learn things that we never thought existed when we study the word of God. You know, so many people who call themselves Christian believers, they don't even take the time to study the word of God. And when you try to talk to another Christian believer, OK, yeah, they believe in Jesus. OK, um, yes, they believe in Jesus. They believe Jesus is all powerful, almighty. OK, yes, they may have received salvation, but they don't read the word of God. And because they don't read the word of God, they don't know anything about God. All right. And their faith isn't really there. So, yes, they know that God is all powerful. Yes, they have salvation, but they don't really have that connection with God that you would have if you read the Bible. Okay. And, you know, I can tell you this, God loves it when he sees his people reading the word. Okay. Because that's showing that his people is taking the initiative. All right. That's showing that, you know, his people is wanting to get close to him and, I will say this, that when God sees his people want to get close to him. He is going to. 
he is going to show that person favor and he is going to allow that person to get closer to him. Okay, because that is what God wants. God is not going to push you away. God wants you to come to him. God knows everything about you. All right. But God wants you to know more about him. God wants to develop a one on one relationship with you. Okay. He wants that love to grow. He wants that connection to grow. All right. And I mean, the fact of the matter is the better you are in good with God, the more you know God. Like many people, the more favor he's going to show you. All right. Because God knows you. God knows what you're about. And if God sees you as a righteous person and if you have that good connection with God, you know, then like a lot of other situation, a lot of other situations, God will show you favor. Okay. He will. Because God knows he can count on you. He knows you're dependable. Okay. And. You know. God, he will show you favor. Rather than if you're, you know, the type of Christian that doesn't read the word, doesn't know God, doesn't have that close connection with God. God isn't going to be as quick to show you favor as he would that other person who does have that close connection to him. Okay. And, you know, I'll be honest, I certainly appreciated that, you know, you, <laughs> you listen to the word because I'm the one who's speaking. All right. And as much as I enjoy speaking and even if nobody does listen, you know, this does benefit me. It is beneficial to myself. All right. Still, my mission is to bring as much people as I can to Christ Jesus and to spread the gospel. As much as I can to those and lead them to Christ Jesus you know, by any means, really. But that's why I started this, you know, podcast um, or whatever it is you want to call it. Um, so, you know, I appreciate you um, listening. I do. And I appreciate you listening to the word and I really ask that you follow along in your Bible and that you don't strictly take my word for it. Yes, I want you to take my word for it, of course. All right. But you need to read the word for yourself also, because when it comes down to it. All right. You have to put God first before any pastor, before any preacher, before any teacher. You have to put God first. Okay, and you have to know the Lord for yourself. 
So with that being said, today I want to do something a little different. Um, we're going to have questions and answers, okay? Um, believe it or not, I've actually had few people ask me different questions um, about, about Christianity, um, about, um, about the Holy Spirit, you know, just, you know, different questions. And I want to get to answer those questions. Okay. So today we have a question and, um, question and answer, you know, segment, Q&A segment, whatever you want to call it. So first question is, and I'm not going to say who asked these questions. So if one has a family to look after, do we still live as soldiers in the Lord's army or are we exempt? Um, no, we are not exempt. I think, I think I know what what they mean in by this question um if one has a family to look after do we still live as soldiers in the lord's army or are we exempt um what they're saying is if a person has a family to look after that's a lot of responsibility and if they're dealing with that huge responsibility they may not be able to do a lot of other things or have a lot of time to do other things than the person without a family would be able to do. So the Christian with a family wouldn't be able to do as much than the Christian without a family would. So because of that, would the Christian with the family be exempt from being in the Lord's army? The answer is no. Um, you're not exempt. Okay? You're not exempt. Um, you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6 verses 24. Okay? But before I read that, I want to say, okay, God uses us in different ways. All right. All of those who are in Christ, all of those who accepted Christ Jesus into our lives, when God uses us, he uses us in different ways, okay? He doesn't use us in the same way in the exact same way as other people. Okay? Um you have to understand that the Lord's army is still an army nonetheless, and they do have different positions in the Lord's army, which means that some positions, yes, they handle more responsibilities than others, or they just handle different responsibilities than others, okay? For instance, um, let's say you, you are that Christian... Um, who has a family, all right, obviously you're more settled, okay, um, you have a home, 
Um, and let's say God, he, he may want you to be the pastor of a church. Okay. It's more easier. It's more of a lighter responsibility. It's still a big responsibility, but it's more, it's more of a responsibility suited to a Christian with a family's needs, I guess you can say. All right. Whereas that um, Christian who doesn't have a family, you know, the single, the one who's single, I guess you could say, or by by themselves, you know, God could use that person to be a missionary who goes from country to country to country to country, all around the world, you know. Whenever, where, wherever they're needed to spread the gospel, all right? Now, obviously, that's going to be much harder to do for, you know, uh, a family to just keep on relocating, like, I don't know, uh, I'll, I'll throw a number out there, let's say, every year, Okay. To just relocate to a different country, relocate to a different country, relocate to a different country. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to take a toll out on the whole entire family. And it's going to be extremely hard to do the Lord to do that. All right. So they're not exempt from the Lord's army. No. Okay. The Lord will just use that person in a different way. Matthew 6, oh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, You cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I understand, you know, that Christian, he has his family, or um, she has her family, okay, um, whatever. To look after and I understand that you know they they put their family above all else and they love their family they protect their family they have to look after their family I understand that but when it comes down to it when it comes down to it as Christians we have to put the Lord first above our family is is true okay it's a necessity we have to do it all right it's a part of being a christian we have to put god first okay so no we are not exempt from serving the lord from serving in the lord's army okay um the lord but the lord he will He will make it easier for, in some cases, he, I guess, um, only term I'm, I really know how to say right now is the Lord will show others mercy. No, that's, that's not the right word. That's not the right word I'm looking for. The Lord will show some more favor than others or 
he'll treat he'll treat others differently. All right. Because everybody has their own responsibility. Every Christian has their own responsibility. All right. Matthew chapter 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. All right. So we have to put God first above our families, above our friends, above the closest people, above the people that's closest to us. All right. But regardless, you know, whether we have families or not. We're going to have to serve the Lord. We have to serve the Lord. That's part of being um a Christian that's part of having salvation, okay? When you receive when you receive Christ, you are now representing God. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are now fighting for God. Okay? Um so I hope that answers that question. <laughs> All right. Um, next question is, why do Christians speak against porn, abortion and homosexuality more than other sins? Um, that's actually. That's actually. um a pretty good question and it's not that they only speak against it's not that they only speak about that sin all right and what i mean by that is you know um it's not so much as only the abortion that's wrong, the pornography that's wrong, and the homosexuality that's wrong, all right? It's the lifestyles and the other things that come with the territory, you know, it's, it's the stuff that comes with it, all right? For instance, all right, you look at pornography, okay? Pornography is a wicked thing. All right. Um, we know that it's a sin. And yes, Christians do often talk about that a lot, but it's not only the sin that we talk about. It's not only pornography that we talk about. It's the stuff that goes into pornography. And what I mean by that is um, the effects of pornography in the sense that it destroys marriages. It destroys marriages. Not only that, but the person um, who is using pornography, um, it destroys that person's relationship with God. All right. It destroys that person's mind. OK. And aside from that, I mean, the horrors that go into making pornography is 
is terrifying, you know, because a lot of it comes from um, child um, sex trafficking. All right. Which is a very scary thing. I mean, picture picture little girls. All right. Or little boys, whatever. Okay. They're being sold into slavery. They're being taken from their parents and sold into slavery. You know, I had just I had just watched this movie the other day. Never seen it before, but the movie looked interesting, you know. Um, name of the movie, it was called Amber Alert. Okay. Um, I'm sure many of you can guess what that movie was about. So, it was about this guy basically kidnapped this little girl. Um, and sadly, it didn't have a good ending. Okay. And that's what happens... You know, that's what goes into this um, pornography business. You know, a lot of these children, they get sold into slavery or they get kidnapped. All right. And then not to mention they're in this business for so long that it basically brainwashes them. It literally brainwashes these children into thinking that, okay, this is normal. This is what I live for. And it's a terrifying thing, okay? And then we have things like abortion, all right? Yes, we know that, you know, it's wrong to get an abortion. We know that, you know, for the mother to go into into the clinic and to um, have the fetus destroyed, you know, um, we know that that's wrong. And... We know that what they're doing is murder, okay? But it's not just that. There's so much more that goes into it, okay? Because it's that's a huge business, all right? And it's a huge industry, okay, that people invest a lot of money into it and a lot of money comes out of that, okay? And... um. You know, first of all, we know that it's wrong because, you know, a lot of people, they they say, oh, it's not murder. You know, it's not like the child can feel it. And it's not like the child is alive. The child is very much alive. OK, now the child isn't going to say, you know, hey, doctor, stop it. I'm in pain. OK, but that child can feel it can feel it being killed, can feel it being murdered. That child can feel it. All right. Still, there's so much that goes into it. This is a major business for murder, you know, and it's legal. So this is these are millions of babies being legally killed and nobody thinks that there's anything wrong with it. All right. These are grown and these are grown people who are doing this. All right. This isn't this isn't something like you would see in a movie where where where, you know, these are um, 
gangsters or thugs that are doing this, that have this. In, no, these are real people with real homes, with real jobs, you know, and they're in this business. They go to work every day and this is this is what they do to make a living. You know, so it's the things that come with it and homosexuality also. All right. We know that um, two men and, and, and or two women, you know, when they get together and whatever, having relationship or whatever, that's not natural. Simply put, that's not natural. That is not how God made Man and women, that is not the plan that God had for man and women when he created man and women, okay? That's not. Now, we know that that is a sin, yes, okay? But it goes so much more than that because there's a lifestyle that comes that goes with homosexuality, all right? And it's very, it's a very wicked lifestyle. So it's not so much as as we talk about it more than other sins. It's just that, you know, a lot, a lot more seems to go in to these sins than than others, you know, and I, I hope I explained that right. And I hope that you understand um, what I what I'm saying. All right. So um, I need to. I'm gonna move on to the next question. All right. Um, can one be a Democrat slash liberal and still be a Christian believer? I believe that you can be a Christian believer. No matter what, all right? Yes, times change. And we as human, we do have to adapt to times changing. I understand that. You know, and what I mean by that is, okay, let's say, let you go back to the early 60s with John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy, he was a liberal. John F. Kennedy, he was a Democrat. Okay? But, you know, John F. Kennedy, he had far different beliefs than today's liberal and today's Democrats. Okay? And a lot of Christians could, you know, they could easily say, a lot of true Christian believers, they can easily say that, you know, hey, you know, I voted for John F. Kennedy and I like John F. Kennedy. All right. Personally, I like John F. Kennedy. <laughs> OK. Now you fast forward to today. Um, do I think that um, you can be a Christian believer in Christ Jesus and be a Democrat liberal? Um. I'm going to say this. I'm not entirely sure, okay, because I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. But if I had to say, I would say that, you know, 
you can be a Christian believer no matter what, but if you're going to be a Christian believer and call yourself a Democrat, liberal, I think you're treading on on very, very, very thin ice. All right, and you're riding a very, very thin line. Okay? Because it seems as though nowadays, you know, political, and this is with both political parties, you know, they they strayed so far away from moral values. I'm not even going to say they strayed so far away from God. Okay, I can easily say that. But what I want to say is they strayed so far away from moral values that, you know, to call. But I'm going to talk about um, Democrats and liberals. I'm not going to talk about both parties. Um, but to call yourself a liberal, you know, and knowing the things that they believe in and knowing the things that they do as liberals and the things that they want for this country as liberals and as democrats and then to also call yourself a true christian believer i don't think that either you can go far as a democrat if you're a Christ, true christian believer or if you're a Democrat, I don't think that you can go far as a Christian believer and call yourself a Democrat. And if you can't go far as a Christian believer, then you're not a Christian at all. Because when it comes to believing in God, you either it's either all or nothing. OK, so I think you're treading a very thin line Um if you're going to call yourself a Democrat or a liberal and call yourself a Christian believer. Okay. Um, again, I can't speak too much on that because I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. All right. I don't share those beliefs. So their beliefs. So I don't pay too much attention to them. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go on to the next question. Do Christians have to go to church? Can they watch church on TV? Aren't there less distractions at home? Uh, you know, that's that's a good question. And I've heard that question um, a few times before. Um, you know, whether they use that question as an excuse not to go to church or whether it's a legitimate question, you know. Um, because they just don't really see the reason why. They should go to church when they can watch church on TV. Um, but the answer isn't 
necessarily yes. Okay, I'm going to say this. You don't have to go to church, okay? Um, If you don't go to church, all right, God isn't going to take away... Um, isn't going to take away your salvation, all right? God isn't going to leave you, all right? However, you ask, um, do Christians have to go to church? Can't they watch church on TV? Aren't there less distractions at home? Um, again, do Christians have to go to church? They don't have to go to church, but they should, they should go to church. And I'm going to read from the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. All right. Um, it's good to be amongst other Christians. It is. All right. Because you have to understand that there in this world, there are very, very few Christians, all right, and to, to find other true believers in Christ Jesus, that's a rare thing, okay, so I think it is very good to um, go to church, all right, however, I want to say this, if you're going to go to church, there are churches that are good to go to, and then there are churches that you should steer that you should stay clear of. Okay, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, you want to get into a good Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Christ believing church. Okay, um, a church with a welcoming congregation, okay? And when you go to church, it's good it's good to to be welcoming yourself. And what I mean by that is you don't have to be social cuz I'll say this, I'm not a very social person, okay? I'm not a very talkative person. But when I go to church, I do smile I do shake others' hands. I do tell other people, you know, hello, how are you? How is everything going? You know, if people start a conversation with me, I'll I will indulge them in that conversation, you know, and that's a good thing because To know that other people actually care about you and that other people share the same faith as you, that's a very rare thing. Okay. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly, the assembling of ourselves together, as it as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, it's good to go to church, you know, to a place where we can lift each other up 
in the faith. Okay. And where we could congregate amongst each other, where we could talk um, about Christ Jesus with each other, where we can discuss the word together, you know, in a warm, welcoming environment where we could, you know, discuss how each other is doing in a warm, welcoming environment, just knowing that people care. You know, that's a good thing. And it's a very rare thing, too. And I mean, when you when there is a good church in your neighborhood or around you or wherever, that's something that you should really take advantage of. Okay. And, you know, you say, can can you just watch church on TV? Yes, you can watch church on TV. All right. Um, I do sometimes, particularly I like Dr. Charles Stanley. Okay, I really like him. Um, I'll believe it or not. Um, my Bible is actually um, from Charles Stanley. All right, from In Touch Ministries. Um, I also like Dr. Tony Evans, you know, he's another one that I actually grew up on listening to, um, and I still listen to him today. All right. You know, those are, those are the real, those are the two that really stand out. Okay. Um, I also listen to this other, um, preacher, I forget his name, but he preaches from Pensacola, Florida. And I do watch um, watch service or watch church on TV. Okay. But I still go to church. Okay. Because no TV service or no um, Christian broadcasting network or no God TV or no um, Hillsong um, TV can substitute for the bride of Christ, the church, which the Bible speaks about, okay? So is great, you know, church on TV is great, um, but it's best to go to church, to find a church to actually sit in, okay? Um, <laughs> it said, aren't there less distractions at home? That could be true, and it could not be true, okay? Um, that can, in fact, that can very much be true, all right? Some people, they live alone, um, and it's very, very quiet. They have a house that's very, very quiet. Okay. Um, they can sit there with their own Bibles. They can take notes. Okay. And it's much, they, they can, some people feel much comf more comfortable in their own house. All right. There aren't distractions. And then there are, you know, some people who don't live alone. All right. And there are constant distractions, constant yelling, constant running around by kids. I don't know. OK, but 
I can't answer that part. You know, aren't there less distractions at home? Okay, because that could be a yes and that could be a no. Okay. Um, ne the next question. Why does it seem as though Christians are more patriotic than others? <laughs> um, I don't really know if that is 100% true. It does seem that way, though. It does seem that way, though, doesn't it? <laughs> but I can't say for sure if that's 100% true because I don't know everybody in this country. However, I will say this. The Bible does talk, maybe not specifically, but all throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about patriotism. All right? About righteous people and even unrighteous people being loyal to their country, to their nation, all right? Whether it be Israel, whether it be Babylon, uh, whether it be um, Rome, okay? And the Bible talks all about um, all about people being um, loyal to their nation and being patriotic and it is very important for one to love their country their home country okay because that is where you were born, okay? And that is where God allowed you to be born, okay? And you develop, a lot of times you develop a love for that country. And the Bible does mention specific verses also and how we should love our country, okay? Not going to get into those verses, but you know, um, it does seem, you know, we look on the news, we look on the internet, you know, YouTube, you know, now whether it is um, what you would call fake news or not, all right, it does seem as though a lot more it does seem as though um, Christians seem to be more patriotic than others okay okay um, I do notice that I'm sure a lot of people a lot of other people notice that too okay but that's not to say that um, people who are not Christians are not patriotic and that other people who are not Christians do not love this country. That would be unfair to say, okay, because I'm sure that there are um, people who are not Christians that do love this country, okay, but... 
um, it does seem as though Christians seem to be more adamant about their loyalty to this country and their patriotism to this country. Okay. It does seem that way, that they seem to be a bit more adamant about it. All right. Okay, so um, we are going to move on to the next question. If we accept Christ in our hearts, why do we still need the Holy Spirit? Um... First of all, I want to say this, that God, the Holy Spirit, and Christ Jesus, they are one, okay? They're different, but they're the same, okay? I want to say that. I want to start off answering that question by saying that, okay? Now, why do we still need the Holy Spirit? Um, I'm going to answer that, um, by reading from the gospel according to John chapter 14 verses 26. But before I read that, um, I want to answer that question by saying, you know, when Christ died, on the cross and when he rose from the grave all right he continued his ministry for 40 days okay in the spirit after those 40 days he ascended into heaven okay to be with his father at his right hand so now Christ is in heaven okay Christ no longer walks this earth. Okay. He no longer he no longer um, preaches sermons. Okay. Um, as long as we are on this earth, we will never see another person walk on water again. Christ's physical body is no longer with us. Okay. So Christ, because Christ is physically no longer with us on this earth, he left us, he left us the Holy Spirit. Okay. He left us the Holy Spirit for all generations, for all generations. Okay. Christ died 2,000 years ago. Okay? Christ died 2,000 years ago. All right? Now, had the Holy Spirit never came, chances, there, chances are I would not um, believe. Chances are you would not believe. Chances are the world will not believe. All right. Christ had the Holy Spirit not come. The fact of the matter is. 
And I say this as the truth. All right. Respectfully, Christ, he would sort of be as an afterthought. Okay. Someone in the history books that would be argued if it was even true or not. Okay. But when Christ died, he left behind the Holy Spirit for all generations, for all generations. And the Holy Spirit has been around for the last 2000 years and the Holy Spirit will continue to be around. All right. For however long until Jesus comes back for his people. All right. That is why we have the Holy Spirit. When I accepted Christ Jesus into my life, okay, not only did I receive salvation, but the Holy Spirit came into my life also, okay? When Christ left the Holy Spirit, he left the Holy Spirit for me. He left the Holy Spirit for you, all right? Because Jesus knew that he would no longer be walking this earth. So he had to leave someone behind. Okay. John chapter 14, verses 26. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So you see, if the Holy Spirit had not come, nobody would remember Christ Jesus. It's a fact. It's a fact. All right. And um, again, as I said, it would be very it would be debated if it was even true or not that Christ existed. But because Christ left behind the Holy Spirit, all right, I have the opportunity to grow in Christ Jesus, okay? Because when Christ Jesus left behind the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there so that when he came, so that when he comes into my life, okay, and I'm using myself as an example, when I received, um, Christ and I was new to Christianity. I received um, the Holy Spirit, and when I received the Holy Spirit, all right, He was there to teach me all the things and to bring and to bring to my remembrance all the things that Christ had said to me. In other words, I began to grow in the Christian faith. Okay, so. Even if I did receive Christ, all right, had the Holy Spirit not been here, I would have never grown in the Christian faith. I would never grow in Christ Jesus, all right? Eight years since I rededicated my life to the Lord, and I would have still been in the same spot spiritually, okay? as I did when I first rededicated my life to the Lord. And I wouldn't be able to grow in Christ Jesus had it not been for the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us grow in Christ Jesus. All right? And simply because of the fact that because Christ Jesus no longer walks this earth, it is the Holy Spirit that indwells our life. Okay.
And it is the Holy Spirit that helps us grow in our Christian faith. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next question. What exactly is the Lord's army? <laughs> um, when we become Christians, when we become Christians, we become enlisted in the Lord's army. As you said, what does that mean? You have to understand that the Lord and his people and his angels are constantly at war with the devil and his demons and his followers. Okay. The Lord and his people and his angels are constantly at war with Satan and his people. Okay, and it's a constant battle. It's a spiritual war. Okay. Read Ephesians chapter six, for we wrestle not against blood, but against um, the principalities in the dark forces of this world. So the Lord's army, it may not be like a physical arm. I mean, it may not be. We may not fight like a physical war. Okay, like. Um, the war in Vietnam or the war in Afghanistan or World War II, all right? It may not be a physical war that we use with guns and ammo, all right? But it is a spiritual war and it is a very real war, all right? And we as Christians, that's why we have to grow in our Christian faith and we have to grow in the word of God, okay? And we have to be really close to God, all right, and we have to set our minds on godly things because the devil and his people are constantly coming at us, especially from the second we become Christians and the second we become and the second we receive salvation. Because, as I said, the second we receive salvation, we become enlisted in the Lord's army. And when we become enlisted in the Lord's army, we automatically become the devil's enemy. Okay. Now, we are soldiers in the Lord's army, and the Lord will use us in different ways. As I answered in the first question, the Lord uses us in different ways, okay, when we receive salvation, all right? The Lord's army are... Those who believe in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus' followers, Christ Jesus' disciples, all right? Those who fight for Christ Jesus, those who fight the good fight, those who are ambassadors for Christ, all right? Those who are willing to lay down their life for Christ Jesus, Those who take on the devil head first and his followers head first, head on, okay? And the Lord's army is very real. It's not a metaphor, okay? As I said, we might not fight with guns and ammo and tanks and you might not see a, um, a whole bunch of you know, Christians um, in, in army fatigues, okay? 
that's that's not the kind of war we fight. The kind of war we fight, if anything, is a more dangerous war because we cannot see our enemy. All right. We do not fight a physical war. We fight a spiritual war for the for the weapons of warfare are not carnal. We fight a spiritual war. All right. And I hope that answers um, that question. And um, as we are running out of time, um, I want to thank you all for asking those questions and for writing those questions. And I, I answered these questions to the best of my ability. And I hope that you know, you received um, some kind of um, help, I think. Um, I hope that you received, or I hope you learned something, all right, from today's segment. And um, I am going to close right now um, with a prayer alright dear Heavenly Father I thank you for this day O Lord Lord God I thank you for the reading of your word Lord God Lord God I pray O Lord that you just continue to give us the wisdom the knowledge and the understanding and the reading of your word, O Lord. And help us, O Lord God, to apply it to our everyday lives, O Lord God. Lord God, just continue to give us the will and the passion and the want to and the desire, O Lord God, to just continue to study your word, O Lord God. Thank you for your many blessings, Heavenly Father, and for everything that you have done for us, O Lord. Help us, O oh Lord God, to just continue to grow in our walk with you, O oh Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, before I go, I want to leave you all with this verse. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Galatians chapter 6. Verses 9. Thank you all.